Hello and welcome to this week's My News Wrap, news from the world of SAP, Microsoft and the world in between. Last week was kind of a slimmed down edition to GitHub only, so all the news of last week you find in the GitHub repository. I had a little uh, surgery last week and yeah, wasn't capable to do the session on Saturday. So uh, now I'm back at home, I'm recovering and being able to do this session in the usual way again. So let's see what happened this week in the area of SAP and Microsoft. So let's start with the SAP side of the house. There is a blog post that I would like to highlight from uh, by written by Murali Shangmoham about um, SAP Gaiva and how to develop a smart selfie app, making use of the low-code, no-code platform SAP Gaiva, that is GA now. Uh, this, this blog post walks you, th walks you through how to set up things on the um, SAP BTP. It also makes use of Microsoft Azure, the, the cognitive services in there for um, image classification. And yeah, really nice, nice write-up, nice to see how things work and how you could do things there. Highly recommended to read if you're interested in the area of low-code development on BTP. Then there is another blog post from AppGiver themselves about the update on the pricing. So AppGiver had a very interesting pricing or licensing model. So they were, they were completely free. There was a completely free edition, lifetime edition. No, no update restriction, no nothing for um, personal usage, for uh, hobby usage, and for companies that have an annual revenue below a certain threshold. So they could get a free license and could use that productively. Now, there was a lot of rumor what happens when SAP buys um, AppGiver, what will happen with this licensing model. And this blog post, that's really cool, um, brings now some update on that topic. And it clearly states that the community edition, so the free edition that was there before, is now still free. And in addition, they removed this barrier with respect to companies with a certain annual revenue. So it's completely free for everyone. However, it's a community edition. You do not get the, the support, the full support, except for community support. And um, there are some features missing. Now, the Enterprise Edition also got an update, which is also interesting. So before that, the Enterprise Edition, the pricing started somewhere around $2,000 per month for, for companies who want to use the Professional or, or Enterprise Edition um, of AppGiver. And depending on the usage, I think it, it, there was some, some um, um, higher pricing there. And now the pricing is more comparable to what we know from, for example, Power Apps. So there is the Enterprise Edition, and for companies who want to use that and want to get the support and want to get the additional features, it's now 10 euro per developer per month. So it's based on the, on the headcount of developers that are working with the Enterprise Edition. Kind of comparable to, to Power Apps. Um, what would be interesting to see if there will be soon an upgrade also, an update also on the pricing with respect to if I only use, let's say, 
Five apps on MacGyver, I get charged per app and not per developer. So that's also a model that's available. Um, and that's, that's yeah, depending on what you do, how much you do with, with all the things, um, makes makes more sense for some companies. For other companies, the, the developer-based uh, fee is um, more reasonable. But at least the community edition stays free. And I also hope that there will not be in the future any restrictions with respect to the functionality. But that's cool. Then from different areas of, of SAP, some news here. Um, there was the, for me personally, the, the highlight um, after every bigger event um, in the area of SAP, namely the SAP Coffee Corner podcast, which is hosted by Holger Müller and um, from, from Constellation Research and Martin Fischer who talk about all things SAP, um, what happened, what was some statements from the from the event, and this one is based on the DSAG Live. And yeah, as I said, available on YouTube, available on uh, the, the usual podcast platforms, so definitely well spent 40 minutes with some updates around SAP, DSAG, and what's happening there. Then... Also, based on this podcast, um, there is a nice DSAG, so a German-speaking SAP user group, um, Positionspapier, so a point-of-view document about the SAP cloud solutions for um, human capital management for the public sector. And that's really, if you are working in that area, and if you're working in the HR, HCM, HXM, how it's called now, area, then I think that's a really important read because there is still some struggle going on, which surprised me a bit personally. So I'm, I'm not really involved in that area. How things will evolve because moving the, the human capital solutions completely into the cloud is a no-go for specific areas within Germany, Austria, and Switzerland, and especially for the public sector. So I would have expected that there is a solution available in 2021 or 2022, but reading this paper, I'm not so sure about that. So if you are working in that area, take a closer look at that paper. And then another very interesting blog post in the SAP community that I've referenced in the show notes, and that's about establishing inner source at SAP. So what is done from the open source project office at SAP in order to bring forward inner source for the internal software development at SAP. Um, so making use of the open source paradigms in order to um, adopt those for the development of closed source, but kind of open source within the company. Um, really interesting and especially also interesting from my perspective for companies who develop software because they will run into very specific problems and they are addressed within this blog post. Then with that, let's switch to the Microsoft part of the house. And of course, we have to start this week with the, the biggest announcement of Microsoft. Windows 11 is GA is out now. You can install it. It will be rolled out in waves, but you can enforce the installation um, via the um, installer or via ISO. Um, so that's quite cool. I already did that on one Surface device of mine. 
that was uh, fitting from the from the hardware requirements and well that that worked like a charm so the only thing that i had to reinstall was the um what's called power toys tool that kind of hang up but all the rest went really smoothly through it was 30 minutes minutes roundabout update on that machine so um super cool super nice experience and with that let's switch to the serverless part um azure functions the first blog post that i would like to highlight is about how to uh, bring together the open api extension of azure functions and how to model there the the endpoint security for azure functions like basic auth like oidc flows like um, um bearer tokens and so on how you can bring those those worlds together Azure Functions, the way how you secure them, and the Open API specification. All that is described within the blog post that I've referenced with in the show notes. Then another announcement around um, Azure Functions, a quite specific one, quite advanced topic, so about dynamic concurrency in Azure Functions. So there is now a feature that allows you to um, to fine-tune the concurrency settings within your Azure Functions per trigger. So you can really kind of fine-tune the performance of your application and the throughput of your application depending on the trigger that comes in. That's um, in public preview and currently only supports the service bus triggers, which is a very broad use case. And yeah, that's something if you are working in the area and if you want to really fine-tune uh, those things, Take a look at that one that might really help you and then in addition there is a new guide within the official documentation of microsoft there are a lot of of topics within the architectural documentation and the best practices and so on and it's quite hard to keep track because you do not really see when there is an update um, so that's why i wanted to highlight that one um, it's about event hubs with azure functions so there is now a completely new section a new guide about the, the concepts, the uh, performance uh, topics, how do things scale there, how do you do a resilient design, um, how do you design for observability, what about security aspects. All that is in there within this guide, focusing on event hubs and Azure functions, also a quite natural combination out there when you work with Azure functions. Then, having said that, let's switch to the container world. First of all, Dapper. Uh, there is one blog post that I would like to highlight that was published on the InfoQ um, blog. So there is a blog post about combining Dapper with um, WebAssembly, to be precise, with Wasm Edge. So using microservices that are living within the, the WebAssembly containers and combining them with Dapper as a sidecar, um, also combining different languages, so Rust and um, Go as, as microservices that are live within the Rosm containers, and then you inject a Dapper as a sidecar there, um, making use, I think it's, it's again image classification, if I'm not completely wrong. Um, let's see, yeah, it's image classification, uh, the, the topic that is uh, discussed there. Really interesting if you are, want to live on the edge um, as, as Wasm is kind of slowly, but but quickly getting speed 
uh, evolving as, as a really interesting runtime, then this is definitely worth a read. Then um, another one from the container world, from the Azure Friday show. There was a new session about Arc, about one very specific area of Arc. So when you think about Arc, it's this um, management and, and um, yeah, administration of your Kubernetes clusters from the Azure, at, uh, Azure administration pane. So you can use the, the Azure portal in order to manage your Kubernetes clusters, no matter where they are. So if they live on-premise, within GCP, AWS, Azure, no matter what. And Azure Arc also gives you some more functionality on top of that. And one functionality is our data services. So making use of um, SQL managed instances, for example. You can also manage them and deploy them to on-prem. And this Azure Friday session talks about exactly that Azure Arc enabled service. Yeah, with that, let's switch to the area of DevOps and at GitHub. So first of all, one very interesting tweet that was retweeted by Richard Hooper, Pixel Robots, um, about DevOps because, about DevOps, about Azure DevOps, about the product Azure DevOps. And um, well, you could get the impression that Azure DevOps is kind of deadish, um, walking around, living that thing. Um, but that's not the case. So there is an official, official. there is a tweet by, by Martin Woodward of Microsoft who clearly says there are no plans to sunset Azure, Azure DevOps, which is, I think, a very important message for all the companies that have heavily adopted Azure DevOps within their development lifecycle. And they well, certainly spend a lot of money in there and they don't want to move now to something else like, like GitHub or GitHub Enterprise. And that's, that's a good um, information there. Having said that, if I would now start from scratch as a company, I think I would move to GitHub and not start things now. So if I really start Greenfield from today, start with Azure DevOps, but that's my personal opinion. And picking up Azure DevOps, there is one blog post that I've referenced in the show notes about um, how to do semantic versioning and creation of release notes, making use of Azure DevOps with um, in several pull requests and uh, using there some um, extensions that you use in order to make things work. And this blog post walks you through on how to do those things that are possible with Azure DevOps. Then let's switch to uh, GitHub. There are a lot of news that came out this week again. So from a security perspective, there are two new um, security scanning partners now for GitHub. That's checkout.com and Fullstory, which are uh, a payment platform and um, yeah, some digital experience intelligence platform um, who partnered up with GitHub in order to enable the scanning for their, their API tokens in order to make the, the world there a bit secure of leaking secrets within GitHub. Then um, another cool news from the area of security in GitHub. So the GitHub um, advisory database, so the, the database that is the foundation for all those security alerts that you see, for example, for the Pandabots, um, is now also powering NPM audit. So kind of closing the, the, 
the gaps and the, the different repositories and persistencies where these security advisories are lying. Now, um, with respect to NPM and GitHub, everything is centralized within the GitHub advisory database. So no matter if you do an NPM audit on your source locally, or if you do, an, an, if there is a scan within GitHub, the counterpart that is checked, the advisory database is in both cases the same. Then another blog post from the, the GitHub world about four things that you might not have known, what you could do with GitHub Actions, like compressing images, like generating semantic release notes. Yeah, of course, that's also possible with GitHub, um, with GitHub Actions to be more precise. Um, and for example, to run GitHub Actions like a make file. So quite quite nice read um, to see what, what is there all possible with GitHub Actions. And then there is also a new announcement for a public beta around GitHub Actions. Um, you can now really uh, reuse complete GitHub Action workflows um, within, within GitHub Actions. So you can now um, recombine bigger building blocks within GitHub Actions. That's uh, really, really interesting and helps you to, to not repeat yourself or not have to repeat yourself when when defining your configurations. Then um, kind of a wrap up around the updates on the GitHub releases functionality. So there is a new public beta, which uh, summarizes all the things that came out over the, the recent um, weeks, I would say. So you can now, as I referenced already within this show, um, reference contributors to your releases, which I really like. You can auto-generate release notes and so on. So that's that's really nice and really useful, especially also in the open source world. And then um, from the well, NPM area uh, that, that is also covered by GitHub, the NPM CLI is upgraded now or can be upgraded to version 8 which will then cut it off from the Node.js 10 support, which will anyway run out of, of long-term support soon. So um, NPM, the NPM CLI, will now <clears throat> clearly focus on uh, Node.js 12, 14, and 16 as long-term support releases. And then another one from the broader Microsoft area, another blog post by Christian Denik that I, I think for two weeks ago, I, I had a blog post by him. Um, Christian is a cloud solutions architect at Microsoft, and he's currently pushing out quite some blog posts um, that, that I really like. And there is this one is about securing the Azure Cosmos DB access by using Azure Managed Identities. So no longer any connection strings flying around within your um, Azure universe, but um, really using Azure Managed Identities and Azure Role-Based Access Control in order to connect apps within the, the Azure Sphere. So in this case, connecting your app with a Cosmos DB. Really uh, walking you through all the steps, what you have to do. And there is also a very nice um, bonus part that tells you how to switch off I have to check that. Yeah, how to switch off the usage of, of primary keys and connection strings within your uh, Cosmos DB account. So in order to really make sure 
that nobody bypasses the role-based success control. Let's go. With that, let's switch to the world in between SAP and Microsoft. Of course, as every week, a new edition of the SAP on Azure video podcast. This time, um, not that much my cup of coffee, but um, yeah, about capacity reservation for virtual machines, which is very interesting for SAP on Azure uh, scenarios. But as I said, not not so much my kind of a topic. But if you're working in that area, if you uh, think about moving your SAP workloads to Azure, and if you are thinking about how to fine-tune costs, then uh, this is definitely worth watching. Then another blog post uh, from Martin Pangratz, again, picking up the story of the BTP private link, and this time focusing on how to to debug and test your setup with live data. So making the move from your local development all mocked up to your productive development not as painful as it, it might be. And then um, wrapping up the SAP and Microsoft topic area, there is one blog post from the SAP community who combines um, running UI5 tests with Karma in Azure pipelines, so making use of Azure DevOps there, in order to set up your CI CD. Very interesting, very cool read. Um, and yeah, as you can see, companies are using Azure DevOps, as I said before, it's not sunsetted. Now, if you are doing also SAP development, you can, of course, also leverage the, the options that you have within Azure DevOps in order to integrate that. and. UI5 is, of course, a perfect candidate for that. With that, let's switch to the area of learning and events. This week, no events, but a bit of learning. So one thing that I want to make you aware of is uh, VMware Tanzu. Um, that's an offering that has basically nothing to do with Microsoft, nothing to do with SAP, but looks quite interesting because this week, a community edition of the Tanzu offering came out. And if you take a closer look at the Tanzu offering and take a look at the packages, it's kind of an opinionated Kubernetes stack that should help you with uh, developing apps by not wrapping your head around some things that you do not want to wrap your head around as an app developer. Story seems kind of similar as for Kima. Um, bit different stack. So um, different components in there, but looks really interesting. So I think that's really worth to, to take a look at and to see what others do. And then uh, two sessions from uh, the open SAP area that I would like to make you aware of. The first one is already outdated. So, um, or outdated. The um, session is already through, so you can no longer get a certificate there, except you reactivate it with a, with a voucher or with, with uh, some, some coins that you throw into OpenSAP. And that's about Enterprise Goes Cloud that is based on a lecture that was held at the uh, Hasselblad Institute last year. And I think that's a really interesting session, getting an overview um, and getting a bit of a look forward what what does it mean for enterprises to go through the cloud? 
um, I think definitely worth watching. And then I want to make you aware once again of the course that's coming up with respect to building applications on SAP BTP with Microsoft services. I have um, already highlighted that course a few weeks ago, but I made a very, very wrong statement there. I said that's kind of the, the course that was recorded in 2019-ish, 2020-ish, around there. Um, and that's completely wrong. So I apologize for that. Um, this course is completely newly recorded. So it's completely up to date. So even one reason more to sign up for that one. And um, it's not the, the course that was announced there and that was done uh, kind of hold, held back by, by the OpenSAP team. But this is a completely new, new um, course and new sessions that are presented by Holger, by, by Maxi Streifmeder and so on about BTP and Microsoft services. So um, first of all, apologies again for the wrong statement that I made there and even more interesting to see what's coming up within that course. And then with that, let's switch to the area of developer productivity. Um, first of all, the Windows Package Manager got an upgrade, minor upgrade. It's now available in version 1.1. The blog post that I referenced within the show notes highlights yeah, what's what's new, what's um, what has been improved, especially with respect, for example, to private app repositories and so on. And then um, kind of wrapping up the Microsoft story, starting with Windows 11, finishing with Windows 11. If you um, yeah, want to customize your um, Windows 11 experience and make use of PowerShell modules, then I have referenced a tweet within the show notes that itself references a GitHub repository that leads you to 63 commandlets that allow you to customize your experience with um, PowerShell. For example, moving the, the taskbar from middle to left or switching off the animations within the taskbar and so on and so forth. So um, I think really useful 63 ways to make it more cozy within your Windows 11 living room. Um, yeah, really worth taking a look. And with that, I'm at the end of this week's sessions, this week's news. Um, I hope I had some news for you, some interesting stuff, some stuff to read after. And with that, I wish you a very nice weekend, a successful next week, and see you next Saturday. Until then, bye.